All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing is nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. Hi, I'm Matt Schreiber, and this is Bull Bear Radio. I'm here with Don Schreiber. He's at HQ today. We're going to do a little, you know, radio show today. Back in the saddle. All right, Don. So, hey, when the first five days of the year are positive for the S&P 500, as they were this year, the... uh, the Sun came up. Stocks are up. Yep. The the index finishes in positive territory for the month, 73% of the time. Uh, Going on further, right? If January is positive, the S&P 500 finishes the year in positive territory 82% of the time. So, Don, are you thinking that this is going to be one of those years, the 68% of years dating back to 1928, that is a positive year? We've been talking about our prediction for the year. And so far, we, we've said Dow 28,000, GDP is going to be hugging 4%, stuff like that. You still thinking the same thing as we sit here this week? Oh, yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. We're going to have positive, positive GDP. We're going to have positive earnings, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. And things are going to get stronger before they get weaker. So I think this thing rolls, man. It's kind of like, I won't even say it, roll tide. Oh, geez. You can't even get out of town. You can't stop saving. Go back to the other side. Go back to the other side of the country. Jeez. (laughs) Stop. Are you kidding me? Who are you? Man, I can tell you, but the markets are going to roll here. The markets are going to roll. Okay, so the markets are going to roll, but if I hear roll tight again, I'm pulling your microphone. This is that's terrible. That's really bad. That just got me flustered. Go Gamecocks. Okay, that's much better. All Go right. Gamecocks. Go All right. Gamecocks. All right. So, hey, but Don, you know, a lot of talk about, uh, you know, stocks. I want to ask you about bonds. You know, uh, is this bond bull market dead? We've been running for over 30 years now. Bonds have been good for investors. Uh, is this thing like coming to an end here? I mean, we had treasuries in 1981. We're at uh, 15%. Now we're, you know, up on the 10-year treasury to yield the 2.5%. That's that's better than it was. But what's what's the deal here, man? So uh, we hit probably hit a low of about 1.6%. That's right. On the 10-year I th- I think treasury. Right. Yep. You know, yep. 10-year treasury. And because we're up at 2.5% and it's we're probably not going down. Inflation is firming. Right. The whole story. Well, CPI is up 2.1% over the last 12 months. Okay. 2.1%. That's a stronger read than we've had in this recovery for the year. All right. So what we're talking about now is whether or not the bond market, the bond vigilantes, bond market investors are typically the smartest guys in the room well, I think, always yeah and I they think, know what's going well, I on i think you're talking they about two belie- segments of 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 investors here you're talking about the institutional big guy who's real smart right they vote with their money and so far they haven't believed the fed reflation story they don't believe it we were in deflation we continued to believe i believe we were in deflation we're continuing to have a deflationary bias 
We might get lucky here with the growth that we're going to see over the next four, five, six quarters. We could break that deflationary bias. If we do, the bond market, the bull bond market is over. Well, wait a second. So so you're saying that uh, uh, GDP growth could be pretty strong for the next five or six quarters, or you think in the next couple of quarters are going to be real strong? Then we might see a little bit of a you know, slowing effect, and then it'd pick back up after that. That's what you were saying a couple of weeks ago here as a, you know, I kind of uh, wrap things up in my brain. So if you're, you know, if you're sailing out on the ocean, you got to always be looking for, you know, those warning signs, those, those warning flags that uh, talk about, you know, maybe dangerous weather. I don't think the market's in going to see any dangerous weather for the first couple of quarters. The reason why we talk about the first couple of quarters is I think it's going to be pretty much smooth sailing. We're going to continue to see, you know, higher markets. But the in second general. half of the year is where risk could materialize. I think so. I think earnings probably slow. I think as the in, as interest rates get pushed higher by the Fed, as they see the growth that's going to happen, fourth quarter. Well, we already had great four, growth last year, amen. right? Earnings are in fourth quarter earnings are telling us that GDP was stronger than expected in the fourth quarter, right? We're seeing earnings before we get the GDP print. We're going to see a very strong GDP quarter. We're going to see an, a really strong earnings and revenue growth quarter. And I think that continues for a couple, two, three quarters. We're going to start to see a slowdown as soon as the Fed stops on the break. The Fed is like King Kong when it comes to stomping on the brake. When they hit when they hit the brake, everything stops. All right. So, you know, people are getting older, you know, and a lot of people like bonds. Um, Watch they, it. You know, they like bonds. And, and well, it's just where worldwide demographics are going. Right. The, the planet's getting a little bit older at the moment. It's been pretty well documented that. You know, uh, there's there's not a lot of young people in the workforce and all this kind of stuff. I think people have the demographic story a little bit wrong, and we can comment on that some other time. I mean, I I, I track the demographics. I just think, uh, you know, we're, uh, people are being a little short sighted on that. There's a lot of people that are really really young at the moment in the United States, but they're not going to enter the workforce and start spending money and all that stuff for years in See, terms there's of a the population. Problem. There's the problem. There's we've, a gap. We've got a gap problem, right? So we kind of have a chasm. That hey, we have and to we're get not across. talking about Gap, okay? The, not the, the Gap company. store. No, no, yeah, not Gap stores. We're talking about a gap in generations, the, generational gaps. Right. So, you know, there's a big mind, mind the gap. The boomers were uh, 77 million strong. Generation Y, the millennials. Oh, they're, they're huge, huge, huge. Eighty plus million. But they're just starting to hit the workforce, and over the next ten years or so, it's going to be huge. So the boomers changed the world because they were such a large population segment. It was a huge bulge, if you will, in population, and so it was very, very good for uh, you know demographic effect on GDP, worldwide growth, spending. We're going to see that again with millennials. Right. And, and, and Xers are a lot like seniors. Seniors are relatively small relative to boomers. Yep. The seniors' kids were Xers. The Xers are a small population. The boomers' kids are the millennials, and there's a ton of them. There are. And so what we see is this small you know, chasm that we have to cross, and it's probably a 10- or 15-year uh, downdraft 
on the workforce, right? So there's not quite enough people in the millennial generation that are old enough to enter the workforce as, you know, the boomers retire. Well, but you know, something's going on. If they lose too much money, they're not going to be able to retire. We can talk about that. So I'll hold on. You bet. So hold on. Boomers did lose a lot of money. They haven't participated as effectively in this bull market. Underloved, as we were saying last week. Yeah, hated. Unloved, hated. You know who's really participated in this bull market? Companies. They bought back their stock ferociously with $4 trillion plus dollars, and we're about to see buybacks at a record level in this 2018. Year, yeah. yeah, this year. They Unbelievable. Get off to a pretty with quick that start. repatriated yeah. capital, we're going to see massive buybacks. That's going to, again, support stock prices. Move them higher, baby. So uh, back to my question here with, with the, 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 the generational focus here in terms of people getting a little bit older, people liking bonds. Could the, the folks that are in bonds for the cash flow get their face ripped off here Ab- if, if, they're, if they're complacent? Absolutely. So if we don't get a slowdown, if the Fed doesn't, ratchet up rates fast enough to put us in recession, we're going to see a long-term growth trend, especially if we get infrastructure spending on top of this tax bill, right? And the repatriation of capital, we're going to see a, a, a Goldilocks environment, not only for stocks, but for GDP growth. We're going to get back to a fantastic level of growth. Sure. So um, let's turn to the economy. Let's talk about growth a little bit for a second. You know, I, I, I read a lot. So do you, Don. We, you know, hours each day uh, trying to uh, stay on top of what's going on in the world and, and the economy and investing and all that kind of good stuff. There's 3,000 listed companies in the United States of America. So those are U.S. listed, U.S. domiciled companies. There's 21 million small businesses. Are people underestimating the little guy? I mean, obviously, we have tons of data on what companies are going to do. But do you think the little guy who's out on the Internet selling stuff these days and making money, making more than the minimum wage and such, they have an idea they're selling something. Do you think that helps lift the economy faster than the experts think? Absolutely. So, you know, um, you know, these are companies that we get, you know, uh, data on through pri- private payrolls, maybe, and in the overall GDP number. But do you think this is like blowing a little bit of oxygen on the fire so already? So 60% of uh, employment growth comes from these small companies that you're talking about, Matt. And, you know, we're going to see uh, a real shortage of workers at some point in time. One of the things... That- hey, look, we already see it. We can't find uh, people in, in specific areas. Like, technology's thin. We've been looking for, for people, you know, there. And we're, we're a small business looking to hire. And by the way, if you don't know a lot about us, we've went from, uh, over the last 10 years, 20 employees to right around 60 employees. We went from, you know, around $200 million in assets under management to $2 billion today. So we've seen you know, assets 10 times, uh, we're, we're a shade under 2 billion today, but we're close. Right. So, um, just, just general numbers here, but I mean, almost 10 times bigger than we were 10 years ago, our workforce is three times larger than it was. So it, you know, that's why I say, are, are people underestimating the little guy? I mean, we're just a relatively small company, but you know, uh, there are a lot of other companies like this that have good ideas and, 
you know, are out there trying to grow their business. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that uh, and the wage growth can be astonishing, too. I mean, the little guy can keep up with the big guy. It has a big effect on the economy, I feel. And people aren't talking about this at all. With the lower tax rate that little companies get, you can you can see uh, smaller companies, smaller mid-sized companies competing more effectively across the spectrum in, uh, you know, the workforce. One of the areas that just stuns me, that really continues to aggravate me to no end, is that, you know... Uh-oh, hold on for this here. Go ahead. So, yeah, yeah. aggravate me to no end is that in writing this tax bill, there wasn't enough dollars available because we were fitting it in reconciliation because... Right, the 1.5 you know, trillion. And, right, Democrats right. and Republicans... They can't get along. They can't get along. They can't play nice in the sandbox. They actually can't do their job effectively. No, they like throwing sand in the sandbox. Right. So, you know... Quit throwing sand. Share. Do a better job. Do your job. But anyway... All you have to do is so, share, man. They teach it to you like in pre-K, for God's sakes. It's called executive function. They you were, know, <laughs> STEM, all that kind of good stuff. They were uh, uh, they they left out the financial services sector, pretty much, from you know, and the financial services sector is somewhere between fifteen and twenty percent of overall GDP, and they left out professional service corporation. Now, last time I looked, we had ninety percent of the U.S. GDP was service driven. Right, right. Well, you know, now, we while went manuf- from making stuff, well, you know, manufacturing a half a century ago to now being a service-based economy. Manufacturing is has a comeback. But the whole purpose of cutting corporate tax rates were allow companies to compete more effectively. And in the U.S., they basically put an anchor Around the service sector industries, all the professional services sectors, accountants, attorneys, financial services, etc., they tied an anchor on uh, around their ankle and then threw them overboard in the deep sea. That's not nice. So you swim with the anchor. Go ahead, swim with the anchor. All companies should be on the same level playing field. Now, they were worried that, you know, professional service corporations would take advantage of, you know, the lower tax rate, you know, and companies that, you know, wealthy people would, uh, you know, change the way they're doing their investments and incorporate and get a lower tax rate. You can draft that risk away. To take a major section, a huge portion of U.S. GDP as represented by small and, and tie an anchor to it and throw them overboard with an anchor tied tied to their to their uh, you know ankle is, is just wrong. Walk, the walk, plank. walk the pie, matey. Yes. Uh, this, walk the pie. So plank. hey, look, you know, um, when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about public companies. We're getting into earnings season here. I've seen and by the way, small- forecasts for earnings growth anywhere from 10 to 17 percent early here in the year. And so I, I'd like to get your opinion on that, Don. So we we're supposed to get tax simplification. Just a last thought. Service companies are going to find a way to get that lower tax rate anyway. Mm-hmm. They'll restructure. They'll do what they have to do sure. because we need to be competitive. So, you know, they should have done it the right way the first time and not excluded service businesses. That's all I'm saying. 
All right. Well, we'll be back in just a moment here uh, on Bull Bear Radio. And if you want more of Don's insights, uh, you know, check him out on Twitter at WBICEO. That's his handle. And uh, of course, I'm, I'm a WBI president on Twitter. So check us out sometime. Bull Bear Radio, too. So we'll be right back. Do you need income? WBI's retirement income strategy focuses on keeping investors' capital base intact in order to grow and provide income leading to and in retirement. The strategy combines dividend-paying stocks with high-quality corporate or high-yield bonds. Learn more at WBIinvestments.com. Hey, and we're back. And and by the way, we've got a huge announcement for you guys. I should have hit it at the top end of the show a little bit more here. We were pumping it up last week. We are now on iTunes. Awesome. Big deal. And Apple Podcast. If you're on one of those other devices, you know, a Samsung or something like that, we're still on SoundCloud. Uh, So share, you know, be sharing here. This is what we're asking. And and if you like like our show, if you like what you hear on the show, please share it with your friends. Send them a link. Tell them we got some good stuff going on. We want to increase the number of listeners. We'd like help. to help more yep. people. We'd we're, like to, help, to people help people and, and, and bring you good information from week to week. So, by the way, Wall Street consensus is around that 28,000 mark in terms of where the Dow could go. Uh, earnings, you know, up double digits is what most people are forecasting this year. One thing that I saw this week that I thought was interesting is that the CAPE, the cyclically adjusted P.E. ratio that Schiller calculates is above 30. So last time it was 30, folks, you know, this this level of overvaluation, we we're back in 1999. You know, um, I think the trailing uh, 12 months trailing 12 month P is two. now above 26. That's a high. number. So almost 26 and a half last week. It's right around 26 at the end of this week. So a we, year ago was at 25. I mean, that's high. You bet. And earnings are rising, but stock prices are rising faster. faster. And we're up we four ex- to five percent almost this year. This trailing number to get more egregious, more overvalued than what it was the last time we saw a number. On trailing twelve, it months could catch up for a 30. couple of weeks here. This earnings season, probably right. Right, could could slow down. Earnings a little could bit. catch up a little bit to the yeah. price. I don't think so, man. Prices are zooming. You we're think gonna, this is going to steamroll? Here. Yeah, we're we're, okay. we're going to zoom higher. We're going to have what is classically called a melt up. It's going to look like a volcano. Is what it's going to look like. This thing's going higher, and it. I don't think there's anything that stops it. There's so what should investors do? Trade, huge crowded trade. And pretty broad capitulation. Um, you, well, I think you you say huge crowded trade. You're talking about passive ETFs. Passive ETFs. The cap weighted nature of these ETFs are causing stock prices to not only get overvalued, but a very crowded trade into the top ten. 15, 20, 50 companies in the index. Right. And you were talking, we were talking about Fang last year and the top 50 companies. Uh, they are a big portion of the return last year. Saw an, ar- uh, an article arguing that Fang stocks could go higher. Uh, they oh, sure, they they have sure to go could if, if you're invested in if the, the index. If the passive index trade continues, which I believe it will, yep. not only continue, but probably even accelerate from the um, abnormal levels that it has been, these stocks are going to go higher because. They're the biggest part but, of the index. But the, the index doesn't care about you, you know, and, and your money. It could go higher, but is this the place where people should be putting their money right now, plowing it into passive investments? I, or I, should they be trying to find, uh, you know, stocks that do have good earnings? Do you think earning companies with good earnings may do better here? 
Well, I think that, you know, the safer trade is obviously to seek uh, value. Companies that have good, strong earnings trends that aren't extremely overvalued. You can still find them. They're high. The valuations are still high, but on a relative valuation basis, which is what we look at at WBI, are, can we buy stocks that are not as overvalued as the rest of the market, not as overvalued as the rest of the stocks in their industry, and something that's reasonably priced for where it normally trades based on its earnings? You can find those stocks, and I think you're going to get above average appreciation. But the key is, you know, there's been a lot of movement within the management industry to find a way to manage risk effectively. WBI has been doing it since 1984. Uh, managing risk as our primary objective. Don't lose too much money in down markets. Participate well in up markets. That's why we have a tagline, tame the bear, run with the bulls. That's what we're uh, attempting to do. And we do a great job at that, in our opinion, for investors. Did a great job last year. So it's important to find the right managers. I would not blindly invest in passive indexing, hoping that this continues forever. People are buying high, they're probably going to sell low, unfortunately. There were, there were a lot of active managers that outperformed the passive indexes last year, whether it was bonds or stocks. I mean, we're going to see that more because volatility is going to increase. As the Fed starts to raise rates, the market has to adjust to that. We're going to see a lot more volatility. Well, I was reading that Jeff Gunlock year. thinks that the, the Fed may only raise rates twice. Do you agree? I don't think so. I think Gunlock's wrong on this call. I do, too. He's usually pretty... I pretty pretty good. He's pretty good, you but know, I think and, he's wrong on this and one. And I think we could run into some trouble in the second half because the Fed's going to raise rates. I, I say and at I think least three to Fed, four times. Fed raises rates three to four times. If they raise rates twice, they're going to increase the size of the hike. That's going to be just as devastating. Right. We're going to see 50 basis point well, rate hikes well, you go this to, year. Well, you go to we're fourth gonna see, quarter. We're going to see a 50 basis point rate hike this year. Fourth quarter GDP is not out, right? But earnings, they're coming up. So what's the forecast here? What is this earnings season going to look like? Is so this going to give put more fuel on the fire for the Fed? Let's is this talk about stoke earnings. the fire up a little I'm bit. I'm really excited because we've got unbelievable earnings cycle coming up, not only for Q4 but probably Q1 and Q2. But we got great holiday season. The retailers, it looks like, cr- are are going to crush it. And by the way, they even crushed it in Great Britain. I read uh, as well. So let's talk about which was surprising. Let's talk about beyond the retailers, right? Consumer discretionary. Actually, which retailers fit into, there's, there's, there's some softness there. Surprisingly, FactSet's most recent report indicates that a good portion of consumer discretionary companies are actually not going to increase uh, earnings as much as is expected. Now, that tells me that the consumer might be a little bit weaker than we think. So it's a good thing we got this tax act, and we're going to see the consumer supported by still be strong saving some taxes but that's not where the action is the action is in capex spending by companies capital investment in this economy they're going to use some of that repatriated capital a portion of it and they're going to increase the amount that they're investing especially with this huge depreciation bonus a hundred percent expensing right so they can shelter profits really well in, in 2018, 2019, and there's going to be a lot of excess CapEx spending. Sure. It's going to be front-loaded into this thing, and we're going to see— Do you think— uh, it, it, We're going to see the economy be the big benefit. Stocks are going to benefit, too. The buyback companies are going to do well. I think the CapEx spenders, the, 
the companies they'll are, do better. They're going to even do better. So, so let me go back to consumer discretionary. Do you think the companies that do well here, their prices go up? Or do you think if, if earnings are disappointing, you know, uh, consumer discretionary gets hurt? I think that uh, consumer discretionary, if you've got the right stocks in the right segments, you're going to do great. Not the whole thing is, is there are stronger uh, places to invest. Energy, industrials, materials, even telecom, high dividend payers that we happen to have, other than AT&T, which is essentially the laggard, right? Like GE in the industrials is a big laggard holding back the index. There are a couple of companies that aren't doing as well, but for the most part, you know, revenues are supposed to really perk up in telecom, and they haven't done that in this cycle. So utilities look like an above-average growth rate. These are big things. So earnings growth is forecasted to be, by facts, at around 10%, correct? Do you think it's going to be even higher than that? I do. I do. As a matter of fact, FactSet was uh, indicating that we could have the fastest earnings growth rate, um, not only in this cycle, but you know, in the last couple of well, decades. Well, because the tax reform would be almost, a big driver, right? You bet. Almost 14% number. We're talking about a huge, huge number in terms of growth rate. Yeah. Do you so, think it could be even higher than that? Do you think it could be, you know, touching 20? No, I don't. No, I think that's a little aggressive. You know, these these growth rates that we're seeing at 10.8, that's a really uh, high toppy number. We could see a number that is in that, you know, 13 or 14% for Q4 um, and the, these are really strong. So by comparison, comparisons in 2019 are going to be extremely tough. It's one of the reasons why we think earnings growth rates slow dramatically. Yeah, well, by the way, you know, the, we were talking PEs a second ago. Uh, PE, according to FactSet, for uh, forward PE is 18 and change, 18.4 on the S&P 500. That's pretty high. I mean, the five-year average is 15.9 and the 10 years, 14.2, which are more towards historical norms. Sure. We're, we, we know we're overvalued, right? So um, I think that the uh, other part that is really exciting is that revenue leads earnings. And we're going to see, I think, a monster number a monster number on revenue growth for Q4. Yeah, do you maybe, see? Maybe, maybe 6 7%. We haven't seen that in this cycle. You're talking about a big number. So do you see earnings per share expanding uh, dramatically this year? So earnings per share are going to go up. When you have uh, $2, $2.5 trillion of capital that could be repatriated. And, do, and the buybacks that could follow on from that. And, you know, there's estimates. Less shares. There's, there's estimates as high as 70% of that capital is going to end up in buybacks over the next couple of years. I don't think it'll be that high. I actually think that there's such a strong populist movement. We're seeing companies every single day announce special bonuses because of the tax effect that they have on their cash flow. They have big increases in net profit and cash flow. And we're seeing wages increase, right? So when you increase wages, you're going to reduce the amount of capital um, that is going to be able to be deployed for both buybacks and dividend increases or merger and acquisition. There's four things that you can do with capital, right? Mm -hmm. You can reinvest in the company, which is what we think that uh, we hope most companies really get aggressive here and do because it's good for the economy. It's good for the long-term competitiveness of the company. They can do M&A, which typically isn't so accretive for earnings. You know, large companies buying other large companies, very difficult to integrate. 
a more favorable environment can, though right now they can do dividend that, right? increases yep. which make their their stocks attractive on a long-term basis as the income flow is a persistent benefit to investors and they can do one-time uh capital buybacks which we're not as big in favor of but it has moved the market last year companies that did buybacks basically grew with the index 22 percent increase right you know, in in uh, return, but those did capex. They they blew it away. Thirty six percent increase, and we expect that trend to continue. I think investors are getting a little smarter here and looking for what comes next. Not you know smoke and mirrors growth. Right. What's really going to provide some growth? So there's been a big trend reversal for S and P five hundred companies and earnings per share. It's it's actually really earnings per share growing at the moment. It was really sluggish. It was looking uh, like a dismal trend, but now it's good. Uh, in terms of the top sectors there uh, in, in earnings uh, per share growth, do you think it, it continues in terms of financials, energy, industrials leading the way here? I do. I think that those company, those sectors have been hot. They're going to continue to be hot. Energy is lead, right? Uh, industrials and materials, number two and three. I think as the economy heats up, obviously, industrial and material sectors are going to do quite good. I think we're going to get into a stronger commodity cycle in general than we've seen. So, you know, materials, uh, especially on the commodity side, uh, are going to start to look good. So you see, uh, you know, earnings growth is is obviously uh, doing better. Do you see revenue growth slowing in the second half of this year? You know, I, I don't know that, um, you know, revenue growth is going to be uh, probably follow GDP. I think that the year is going to be relatively strong unless, you know, um, as I said, King Kong steps on the brake here, you know, which is the Federal Reserve Board. You know, if they get in there and they start muscling uh, rates significantly higher or reducing their balance sheet on the um, amount of capital that they have more aggressively or both. Right. We're, we're going to see the economy. We're going to see things tighten up on the credit side. Right. Well, we're going to see the economy they, slow pretty dramatically. They want to unwind will, the balance sheet, their balance sheet. Yep. Flo- that would flood the markets with bonds. Who's going to be the buyer? Right. Um, so we'll have to see. And that's probably towards the second be, half of this. It year. won't be China. And then there's a lot of uh, companies that have, you know, uh, debt maturing in 2019 because we're at record, you know, corporate debt levels. So we'll have to see what happens there. But hey, guys, you know, that, that's Bull Bear Radio for today. So uh, thanks for joining us. Can't wait to get back to you next week here. And by the way, we're on iTunes. So, you know, please listen. Follow us as usual on, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, Bull Bear Radio, WBI CEO, WBI President. Follow us on LinkedIn, too. We're, we're all over the place. Just, you know, share us with your friends. Be sharing and, and giving, you know, in 2018. Thanks a lot for listening to us, and we'll come back at you next week. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stock discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly in this podcast, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time and there's always a possibility of loss. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for 
or personalized investment advice from WBI or from any other investment professional. To the extent that you have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issue discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or the professional advisor of your choosing. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information pertaining to WBI's advisory operations services and fees is set forth in WBI's disclosure statement in Part 2A, Form 80B, a copy of which is available upon request.